Welcome to Thinking Bros. I'm Chris. And I'm Alex. We're your favorite corner store philosophers trying to figure out life one conundrum at a time. And today we're going to be talking about intelligence versus knowledge. Now, there are, I know the theory about the types of intelligence, crystallized intelligence, blah, blah, blah. Today we're going to be attacking this on a more conceptual level because in any case, the intricate theories have been disproven over time, right? Like the reason we call the crystallized intelligence thing a theory is because it's not the actual thing because it's been disproven. I don't see it like that. I thought, I mean... That's what every psychology theory is, right? Like Piaget is known as the biggest child psychologist guy, but he's all obviously also wrong in like 60% of what he said. I'm, I'm thinking of IQ. Are you talking about IQ, like crystallized and fluid intelligence? Is that it? Sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure IQ is general intelligence and uh fluid fluid iq yeah i'm pretty sure is it fluid iq is what you have when you're young and it decreases as you age uh but your crystallized intelligence increases as you age sure all right so let's start with one of the things that has been bothering me a lot and i was literally watching a video of this yesterday and it's the people who get approached by interviewers or talk show hosts usually on the street and they get asked little questions about geography, about the current president. The one I saw yesterday is one of the most popular ones. The, they first get approached, they get asked, name as many adventures as you can. And they usually come up with six or seven. And then they ask, name as many US presidents as you can. And then they usually say the current one and they don't know anymore. Now, that is very obviously not a measure of intelligence, but the reactions to those videos and the way they are usually framed is, look how ignorant the kids on our streets are right they usually ask them oh what's your higher level of education and like uh they say oh i went to university and they don't know let's say the capital of canada if it's in canada they don't know the first u.s president they usually say something like uh is that was abraham lincoln one anyway like something stupid one of those is one, one of the ones that you think it is and then but then again yeah it's it's michael not, jackson it's not stupid. Yeah, something like something like that. Mm -hmm. So, so my, I mean, well, my obvious problem with that is that is not a measure of intelligence. And the point to which the word ignorance itself, I guess, would mean lack of knowledge. So it's not that inaccurate to call them ignorant, but is that that bad in that context? I mean, how much impact is it going to have on anyone's life? If they don't know the first president of America or when it was established or uh, that, well, what's the capital of America? Probably like New Yorkers are just going to say like New York or something, right? That's implausible. And nevertheless, that's not going to change anything in their lives. And we'll get deeper into a discussion of the difference between the two. But I'm thinking, well, a good marker for what is knowledge is what could be Googled in under three seconds, right? Because that's the thing where... Obviously, with ChatGPT, maybe that changes things a little bit because you could ask a more intricate question, which actually requires a little bit, a bit of thinking. But I don't think it's there yet. Honestly, with my experience with the actual intelligent questions. But so it's mean, more... What do you mean that's how you define knowledge, which you can look up in, in three seconds? I mean, there's all, there's like levels to there's levels to this stuff. Yeah, okay. Um, I think I think intelligence is about links, okay? I think it's about drawing links between things. Not sure, but I'm not. I'm not saying it's intelligence. 
but I'm just saying knowledge is not only what you can look up in three seconds. You can also do research and gain knowledge in that way, like deeper research. No, I'm saying if we're looking at one particular fact or task, like, oh, geography, any geography for that matter, right? Or at least on a big scale, if you want to get into, I don't know, landscape engineering or something like that, I, I don't know about that, but... On a big scale, geography is purely knowledge. It is not intelligence. Yeah, because yeah. if I if I write, oh, what's the capital of this? Or where is this place on a map? There you go. And this is a discussion that I've heard between people of an older generation of saying, oh, look at our kids, how they're devolving in that sense. But humans are supposed to adapt to their environment, to their current environment. And I know how hard it is, you know, you become more crystallized with time. <clears throat> I know how hard it is to get out of the mind frame of what was a reality for you when you were young because that that knowledge was, I mean, perhaps not valuable. I wouldn't argue that it was valuable, <clears throat> but I would argue that unless you had a map on you, you wouldn't have had access to that knowledge. So it was more scarce, I guess. I would still argue that it's just purely knowledge, right? Like, know the capital or don't know the capital, it doesn't matter. But when you have discussions about what AI can achieve and what ChatGPT can do even right now, and we're talking about... Like, you, can't, you may not be able to Google a list of the 10 biggest cities, right? If no one wrote an article about that, if no one, you know, took the time to, to compile that list... That's not something Google can tell you, but ChatGPT can, right? So even more, what you would think is more intricate knowledge, which is not just, oh, I know this one city. It's like, okay, classify these cities by this, right? Or uh, top five cities where there's the highest mountain or top three highest mountains of the uh, world. Of the world. I, I saw an interview of, uh, it's it's the guy with the very character caturable face okay. uh, from an old talk show and he was asking what the highest mountain in the world was and then she, she like the girl didn't know and then he said oh do you ever rest as a funny thing you know I, I have a structure in my mind where I, I I've compiled this on a drawing and it's not really hard to understand but everything every knowledge piece is a dot and intelligence it's is the ability to draw lines between those dots and i think that a lot of people usually want intelligence from others right those talk show hosts they want an intelligence you know, intelligent younger generation they want a i don't know it's cool we want people who are intelligent not people who know how to circle letters and choose the right answer because they studied it the night before we want people who can deduce things because when you learn to draw links between things you can discover new dots and that's kind of the point the point of every new generation of humans is to learn things but you can't learn things purely out of having a lot of dots in your mind right if you're very intelligent and very knowledgeable you might be very valuable to humanity but if you had to maximize one of those traits i would always maximize intelligence because you can even have a very niche knowledge of something and you can excel at that and be better than everyone else on the planet. 
Sherlock Holmes, you know, first of all, it's a fantastical story. Second of all, I'm talking about the movie interpretation, the latest one. But he still says to Dr. Watson, oh, what does it matter if the earth is turning, turning around the sun or the sun is turning around the earth? It doesn't affect my life in any way. And I think that's the case for a lot of humans, right? I mean, if you're wasting mental space for that knowledge, unless you're an astronaut, <laughs> which is what, 0.001% of uh, the population, it will never come in handy, let's say. This is what I call self-contained knowledge, but... Or do you, any, astrophysicists. Sure, but it's still the one zero point zero zero one. Yeah, first of all, as you said, I don't think it's like it, it, they don't say it measures intelligence either when they go out in the street and it's often confounded. If you don't think about it, it's easy to say, oh, do you know the capital of Canada? You're in Canada. And then they say something like, what's the what's the stupid one? Ontario. Ottawa. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wait, Ottawa is the thing? Okay, whatever. Is, is the capital yeah, of Canada. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, So Ontario or Toronto. Yeah, Ontario, yeah. And then it's like, wow, you don't know where you live. But yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, man. Because I um, live here. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, uh, another point I would make for for older people is that, as you said, you know, sometimes in, that, in those interviews, they come up and they ask for as many uh marvel characters as they can name and they can name a bunch but they can't name a, a list of presidents or whatever and i mean i, I understand that I, I would guess you you'd say both are useless but i think it, it sort of is more degenerate as they would say to you know to know a bunch of marvel characters and not know the like over knowing the presidents because it still has implications for politics and what what implications? Like, if you know the first president of the United States, how's that going to affect your vote in 2024 or whatever? It affects, like, your vision of the country, whatever. I'm not, I'm not big into politics, as you know, but... Yeah, but when you, when you know the name of a president, what you know is a face is associated with a picture of them, probably. Yeah. And that's kind of the extent of your knowledge. Well, Wouldn't you need much more did. to affect... Well, that's, that's the thing, what they did. I mean, okay, go to one of those knowledgeable types. Let's say he knows, like, you know, people who know pi, the first hundred digits of pi, or the, all the presidents in order, because one faithful night, they wanted to study them. Do they really have the edge on in politics on them? Like, you, you might say, oh, yeah, sure, if you know the president and their face and what they did and how they did it, right? Because what they did isn't really important, right? Like, who, who initiated the emancipation? Uh, if if you're just gonna have a face and a photo associated to that, that doesn't give you anything. You have to know how. You have to know why. What if they know all that? Is that bad? Well, would... this is a recent blog post I did yesterday. So it's just about how history is psychology. Just spoiler alert. Um, and my biggest point is, one thousand years ago is as valuable as yesterday because we're all humans in the end. And brains don't evolve, don't evolve fast enough for your yesterday to be less valuable than a thousand years ago. And what I'm saying is, people who, I'm not, again, I've given away half the article, so it's not going to be as interesting, but people who pay attention to life don't need, you know, facts like history. I, I don't know how much I want to get into the blog post then, uh, but... <clears throat> a thousand years ago isn't yesterday in the sense that 
a thousand years ago wasn't the same environment that we had yesterday and that we have in modern times and people don't act the same way we don't have the same well i mean what do you mean what do you mean by bringing that up well by bringing that up is just one of the biggest things that gets mistaken for intelligence is a lack of knowledge of history okay which i mean to me is one of the least valid things and this is a thing that was brought up two episodes ago when darius said that uh history was important to him okay but then why are you saying that the a thousand years ago <clears throat> is as valuable as yesterday what, what i'm saying is you could <laughs> oh yesterday is is enough and you don't need to study yeah thousand years what i'm ago. saying okay. is if you pay attention to life and you're a smart person and you ask yourself one of the things i wanted to say is humans learn best by doing right positing theories applying things when you're sitting in a history class or more more likely you're watching a video or documentary or reading something that's how people learn about history you're not there so in saying that yesterday is even more adapted to our environment than a thousand years ago you're saying that you're supporting my point essentially by saying well look if you were to be very present in the moment and ask yourself ask yourself theories about the world right why did that person do that oh um based on my prior deductions i believe that this person will do this oh they didn't why right and then you ask yourself these things and you build you get more dots you draw more connections when you read history books that's a passive learning right you're going to be able to recount events but you're not going to have been there the spanish flu let's talk about the spanish flu we had a lockdown a few years ago the Spanish flu of uh, 1918 was... Why do you know that? Why is that taking up space in your brain? Because I, have an, I had an exam on it yesterday, but a lot of the things that happened are, are different from now. So to draw knowledge from that and apply it to the quarantine of today, you would have to know what medical access they had to, what vaccines they had, what modes of transport had to be closed down what the availabilities of education were uh, during the lockdown, right? Now we have Zoom, which I'm pretty sure they didn't, right? You can, you can double check me on that. We have, you know, these planes clo closing down. Uh, people, you know, after globalization, people not being able to change countries is a huge deal. The world has changed so much that very few lessons were valuable from that pandemic. Essentially, what I'm saying is, if you're, you pay attention to life, if you're intelligent, you need less knowledge. Like if you were to say, I only have so much time to develop the two, right? Um, in school, maybe I'm in this thinking mode. Uh, maybe when I have time and I'm, I'm willing to not waste it on entertainment, I'm instead willing to do something, learn a skill, something, or read a book, for example. I have only so much time to maximize two right now if i had to compromise and if i could learn 100 historical facts versus i go out there and figure out a complex system such as let's say programming something that will lead me to problem solve something that will require of me to think and come up with novel solutions draw links i would say that intelligence is better because well it's not in that situation it's not a question of you know programming 
is intelligence and then history is just a, a bunch of points of knowledge as you say i think you're uh sort of ignoring the fact that i in in general you know i, I think uh, history can be a hobby for people where you learn a bunch of fun facts and you, you you just like can recount them for some reason you remember them and that seems more useless but also it's like it, it, it can also you know as cliche as it is if you don't know history then you're bound to remake uh, their uh, the mistakes of history it, it sort of goes in with what you said that if you have enough intelligence then you don't need knowledge it's it's like it's i mean people like you that you know develop their own ideologies of how countries should be ruled or something because you're so smart and you can think about everything and systematize everything and you know solve all the problems and you say this is the way we solve the problem and we set up a political system like this and it works and you're like you're doing this but this is what leads to like ideology and totalitarianism because you don't know that let's say it has already been done and tried like in the 20th century with russia and germany and japan and china like all these systems that have been tried out and and that haven't worked and why they haven't worked even though they, they like they do seem promising or, or do seem like good systems you learn about all of those and as you say human nature the human brain doesn't change and so we work in the same ways and there were a bunch of smart people in history that you know tried a bunch of things in politics I, I keep going back to politics. That's what seems the most uh, relevant to me, I guess, which which we can learn from. That's kind of what I mean. It's, it's what I mean by you don't need to know history because if you ask yourself the right questions, let's say I have come up with a new moral code, which is what I'm trying to do with my book, and with a legal code, and I get filthy rich and buy an island and invite everyone live under my ruling because I figured it out, right? It's that maybe one of the things you were proposing, kind of? Now, well, yeah, kind of, but more like, yeah, that works too. Just becoming a become ruler. A politician. Yeah, but yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's isolate it. Well, you might, you might think that I need to know about, you know, 1830 when X leader did this to know that people are unruly. Or to know, let's say, let's talk about a lesson. Let's talk about a, you know, a knowledge point. People don't always do what's best for them. Right? That's a pretty good knowledge point. You might think that I need to learn history, uh, history about that. But I was once trying to convince a girl to quit smoking. <laughs> and then I laid out all the facts for her. Said that it makes her present and her future worse. Blah, blah, blah. And then she said... Yeah, but I'll keep doing it because it feels good. And that's when I realized that she, she was actually listening. She actually understood everything that I said. She knew it wasn't the best thing to do for her. But she was too weak to follow through with that. So I know that people will revolt when asked to do the best thing for them because they don't know what the best thing for them is or they don't have the will power to go through with that. And some of the conclusions of my morality are kind of that, right? Death isn't, in, well, killing isn't inherently wrong. Things like that. So I might go with a death sentence in my, on my island, and it might be the best thing for humanity without you knowing it, but people will revolt against that. 
because it feels wrong to them, but they haven't thought about it. So there are lessons you can draw from local things and apply them on global things because politics is many humans. Geography is landscape. History is many humans in the past. That's all it is. Everything is everything. Wait, so what's your point with the distinction between politics and geography and history? It's just that, well, I don't even know what geography is, really. If you're, if you're saying that it is the disposition of the countries I'm on the really map. I'm not talking about geography. I don't care. Yeah. But... Well, okay. Well, then if you want to defend knowledge, then you must defend geography as well. Maybe it's at the bottom of your priority list, and maybe you want to defend politics before that because it seems... But again, okay, look. I also made a distinction in my document about practical knowledge and impractical knowledge. But first, I'd like to comment about like let, let's say you've thought it all the way through and and you like developed a th uh, the solution and you know the death sentence is what you're going to enforce is that is that plausible yeah, the, yeah yeah for what for dissent for no but what do you mean oh just punishment for crimes no not punishment i don't like punishing because it seems vengeful it's yeah, it's just ridding yeah. ridding society of those people because people don't change. Episode 2. Okay. I, I mean, I guess I can't attack that point directly because, you know, some places do have the death sentence and... Um, There's a short list of re-offenders, let's just say. In those places? Yes, indeed. Repeated offenses. I just think you're, like, vastly underestimating the complexity of society and of human... Okay, but... The human psyche. If that is so, if a society is so complex and so human inside, um, if <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you say that reading something from a history book wouldn't cover all bases? Because knowledge is based in practicality, at least applicable knowledge is based in practicality. Me doing something to provoke you gives me knowledge of my internal states when I do it, the way I express it, I can experience your reaction firsthand. When you read something from a history book, well, first of all, it's been filtered through the winner's eyes, whatever, cheesy remark, but whatever. It's been synthesized. It's been modified. So if you don't, well, if you accept that those filters alter history significantly, then already it invalidates the lessons that you can learn from it. There's still facts that you know happened, that policies were put through population. Right, have you read the policies? You can, you, you can read a, um, a de definition in one sentence of the policy, but what does it mean? What does it do? What does it enforce? How it is applicable exactly to the things that... I mean, you can read the law documents if you want. Yeah, but who does that? You're saying surface knowledge of something is irrelevant, but when you go, like, you're arguing for just the surface level knowledge of everything, and you're like, oh, knowing these, like, uh, superficial facts is useless because you don't know enough. Is it because you don't know enough, or is it because the facts themselves are useless? Well, I guess surface facts are useless, so it's kind of a combination sure. of the two I things mean, sure, you said. If, if, if you just, like, know the name of a policy that was put through, and then you get asked, okay, what's the relevance of that in the... Uh, in Nazi Germany, how did it make of uh, this and this evolve? 
Okay. Then yeah, that's so useless. how is history taught in schools? More more than just the name of the policy. Okay. Names of people, dates, that's all of that. The things that happened. No, not really. Yeah, I mean, a, a policy, like, let's say they're presenting a policy. It's it, They tell you the intended effect of the policy, what it actually did, something like that. It, it's a while ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. But it's, it's, again, it's one sentence summaries of extremely complex things that happen on a global uh, level. And I, what I'm saying is, I mean, that doesn't really make sense to me for you to say that, like, you're enforcing that knowledge and facts like this don't matter but only if you're at the surface level like if you go deeper then they they can matter yeah what i'm saying but, is it would take the same time as a year of schooling in high school let's say for me to consider something useful if you dive into like one of the subjects that is studied in school a full comprehension of something because what we're trying to do it'll take one year of schooling to do what uh, let's say for 10% of what is learned, if we actually dive deep into that, that's when I would consider... You, you can you can say the system is inefficient, vastly inefficient, without saying that it's useless to learn history completely. Yeah, I mean, okay, look, I said... The thing about, I said about uh, yesterday being as valuable as a thousand years ago goes both ways. But you automatically get in-depth knowledge of yesterday because you were there. There is no dishonesty. There are no filters. You can test your theories. Your presence is so much more valuable. And that's what humans were designed to do, right? 10,000 years ago, you couldn't know history, right? When our brains were developed, you couldn't know history. So our brain is developed in a way where practicality is the best way to learn, right? If, if I were to watch videos about programming for the next year, I would achieve less than you if you started programming for real. Like you listen to one 10 minute lesson, you, you do it. You would learn more in a month than I would in a year. And what I'm saying is in history, we're, it's never framed in a way where it's useful. It's always, okay, guys, it's very important to know the first president of America. So here's what happened. Here's every date uh, at which the states were established. We in Canadian school, there was an exam in uh, when we were around 16 years old of all of the states in the United States of America. Do you remember that? I didn't have that. I had to fill in. That, that was one of the exams. That's, That's what sick. took one month of my, my time, right? We, we had to do with the provinces and territories, but not, not the right, U.S. states. It's not as many, but yeah. yeah. We had to do that. <laughs> and how many do I remember now? I mean, all the ones that are useful to me. I don't know. Uh, Miami is cool. Not, not a state. New York is cool. I like LA, although it's horrible. That's it, <laughs> you know? So what I'm trying to say is that, okay, history is useless. That's unfair. The way every, like 90% of humans view history, <clears throat> that part of it is useless because 90% of humans view history the way it's taught in schools. And we see people as cultured and we even dare use the word intelligence to apply on them when they know that knowledge versus when they don't wouldn't you say that's true yeah 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 but and i think that sort of goes in to the you know intelligence versus knowledge which you said intelligence is drawing the facts between which i get the distinction uh, i guess that's not the actual definition of intelligence right 
Intelligence is like the... Again, conceptual level, and it's our definition, right, so it doesn't true. matter. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's a good distinction to make in general, and it's intuitive to say that we all know people that know facts, and then, you know, you ask them a further question about something, and they, they, they have no answer for you, they're not good in conversation, they just know these things. And then intelligence would be drawing these links. And I would definitely agree that if you look at history as just, uh, you know, separate facts and you observe them and you know them and you know them by heart, but for no reason, then it's useless. But if uh, you integrate it within like your knowledge of human nature and you make it help uh, your understanding of politics or something, then I think we can agree that uh, it, it has some use. But even then, I think it's a little bit idealistic because I agree that exactly what you said is true. But where you're trying to apply it to is also the kind of cause and effect that is taught in schools, right? You said policy A, uh, applicab potential applicability, the way people actually reacted, what it did for the country, all of those things. Sure. When you synthesize it to one sentence, I don't agree that you can extract anything from it. In fact, you may extract a different conclusion that you should, than you should from it. Because you can't summarize rich human experience. You can't summarize 10 years of a policy in one paragraph and expect people to internalize what that means. That is done through practice. Internalizing is done through practice. Uh, I mean, I agree, but what's your point? Does, does this counter anything, like anything I've said? Not in the exact way you said it, but earlier you said that in, in some ways history is taught well in schools in the sense that what i said right like policy a potential consequences actual consequences oh and you might think that might help you draw links but what i'm saying is no you much you must go much deeper than that understand specific reactions understand i mean if you're if you're particularly bored in history class and you have no interest as we were you're not gonna like look further yourself but i don't think i think practically well Maybe that's not true. so true in university, but almost nothing you learn in school, if you just stay there, is, is useful, especially in high school. It's just surface-level things that you need to know. You need to know. You know, in math, it's the same thing. And then you forget two years later. The, the proof of the, the fact that it doesn't stick around is because our brain is designed for things to stick around, right? You learn until 20 years old, you learn how to ride a bike, right? Then you stop until 30 years old. You restart at 30 years old. You're going to be good in like two days. Yeah, but there, there's things that are not physical. There's things that, that, are, that are mental and internalizing that has another form, I guess. That's, that's probably right. Uh, maybe you would need um, more time to get back into it. But again, I, I think it's a pretty good... You, you know, one of the societal trends we have seen, okay, is the framework of how people think about knowledge. I'm 100% I'm, I'm certain you agree with me on this. Philosophy class, psychology class. When people give answers, they answer in facts that they learned in the past. And you can hear it. They say specific words from specific classes. You can rem it's almost you can remember where it was on the slide. People re-quote knowledge they gained in the past because they studied hard for the exam and you know you and i we hear those things and we know they're obviously wrong but we also know why that person came to that conclusion and we also know that the reason that they studied for 
like the reason that they internalize it that way is because it was taught to them that way. Here's a list of things. Learn the list. But what, what do you mean? What's, what's wrong? Well, when the teacher says, okay, do you have any theories on why, why this is? And mm -hmm. then they say, oh yeah, a theory by John Pidgeot from 1959. <laughs> and then the prof says, well, not really, but we already knew that. And I don't know about John Pidgeot because I don't really study. You know about him, but you forgot more because, you know, the person who said that was studying harder because they're, they're stupider. But you also know why it's wrong, right? The number of times we look at each other in class and people are quoting prior knowledge and we know that it's obviously wrong, but we didn't even have access to that piece of knowledge. Do you not think that there's value in that experience from us? Sure, but what if, what if they do have a piece of knowledge that is pertinent to the Somewhere, but if you can't discussion? fight it, what are you going to do in the real world? No, but I mean, what you said is like, and I agree that often in class, people just raise their hand and they're like, like literally all, all they say is, oh, this makes me think of this. And then the teacher is like, it's not really like that, but sort of. Let's move because, on. Yeah, because they're, they're getting paid by the students. <laughs> <laughs> um. But what if the teacher raises their hand and, and brings up a good point and is, like makes a link with uh, with a, another theorist or, or something that does have relevance to, here is where to I the think, subject? Here's where I think the, uh, the idea of accidental truth is pretty funny. What, what if I raise my hand and, and the other day we were talking about Hobbes? And you raised your hand and you talked about the philosopher king and other people in the class may not have known that. Yeah, and that's exactly... You made a link, you had facts and knowledge about other things. Yeah, you don't have to intensify, you know, I get very vulnerable, but... <laughs> but this is... This, <laughs> this is a philo philosophy podcast, let's keep it calm. But no, no, but the reason I could make that link and it was pertinent I, I, is because yeah. I have 80% intelligence, 20% knowledge, and the the little knowledge that I do have is only going to be on Socrates, and you know this. Okay, but what if what if I have 50% intelligence and 50% knowledge, but just as much intelligence, intelligence as you, and so more knowledge? <laughs> that is too funny. Okay. Dude, it's like, it's like primary school fights. Okay. I, I have... I have, I have infinite, infinity plus one knowledge. I have infinity times infinity knowledge. No! <laughs> What can I do against that? <laughs> so, look, it's what I said at the beginning of the episode, right? You yeah, have you to said compromise you... somewhere. But what, what my point is, okay? okay. Let me like, let me make a rough estimate, okay? Eighty percent of what people judge as intelligence is purely knowledge. Okay. Look, uh, I don't know. Dinners, right? Quote ex philosopher. Wow, that 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 boy is brilliant. Um. We saw this in uh, Goodwill Hunting. Some guy's trying to impress a girl with, uh, you know, knowledge about history. That then Matt Damon comes up to him, recites everything he said, then recites everything he will say in the future, and says, "Yeah, you learned that from a textbook. Do you ever do any thinking of your own on your own?" And I, I love that. I think it's valuable. I think it's it's revelatory to how people are taught things. And you know, maybe even children, the brilliance of children, right? You bring someone to a family gathering and a kid says, well, actually the earth is, is not really round because the gravity makes it, the, the, the gravity makes it a little bit oval because it, it's along an axial plane. And it's, and it's like people at that, that meeting will have the reaction of, 
wow, that boy is brilliant. He's going places. This is something human that we have because, you know, I actually just came up with a theory, but because in the ancient world, when our brain, when brains were developed, knowledge was usually mostly practical, right? See someone eating berry, they die. I know this berry is poisonous, right? Uh, my parents told me about how to hunt. I go and hunt. I know... In goodwill. In goodwill. You go hunt, yeah. Oh, uh, I know about the m migration patterns of um, antelopes, right? Something like that. Now, with globalization, we have so much access to so much knowledge. But because it's always someone else's knowledge, right? Let's say no internet, no planes, right? Do you know what the, the capital of the United States is? No. Washington, D.C.? No, no, no. I'm saying oh. no planes, no internet. Do oh. you know what it is? Would I know what it is? Would, would you know what it is? Maybe. I probably learned it in school. No, but there, there's no internet, so there's no way they communicated it to us or whatever. I'm saying... Ten, whatever. Europe. Do you know Europe exists? No. Would it ever be useful to you? No. Okay. Do you understand my point? Boats. Th those didn't exist when the internet wasn't around. <laughs> no, but okay. Do, do you get it? Okay. I, I think I understand what you then mean. Then what you, you, you would take a map and then you would navigate with a boat. Here, it's also like, okay, I'm in America. A lot of these people are, you know, they don't know the... There, there was a thing where they inverse the map. They put um, the Americas on the right on the map. Have you seen that? And Europe on the left? Sure, yeah. That's all they did. And the... And Americans couldn't name one single country. But again, uh -huh. you know, I'm sure it's cut clips and uh, they really find those who can't name them. But the point is, if they're planning to stay in America, why, why would they know what European country is the biggest or that UK is a agglomeration of three countries or whatever? You know, in, in that Goodwill hunting scene that you mentioned earlier, he also cites the books that the guy read. You know, he... The, the guy, like, recites line by line the exact quote from the book, which he memorized, and I agree with you, he's dumb because he just memorized, and he doesn't really understand what it means, he hasn't thought critically about it, and then a good, uh, Will Hunting comes in, and he recites the book, he recites the next book that's on a higher level, and then even the next book, which I'll have links, and he knows them all, and he's very smart, and he's also able to make links around them, but a fact is, is that he read all those books and he used them to go deeper into, uh, I don't know how you would say, like foster his intelligence and, you know, use it for something. And to use your intelligence, you have to know facts. Yeah, but what I'm saying is what you're going to be able to accomplish on this earth is limited. And that's why it's a movie, right? His level of intelligence matched with his level of knowledge is actually unrealistic. At the very least, for 99.99% of humans. Yeah. So, the point of that scene was kind of him to stunt. But he's actually displayed as an intelligence person because the math problems he resolves later, or weren't they unsolved before? Like, actually unsolved? Uh, before the movie? Yeah. No, 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 no. Not before the movie. Okay. Before oh. he solved them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I so, mean, he, yeah, he becomes a yeah, good so mathematician. This is where it's an actual accurate portrayal of intelligence. Okay. Look, I think we get the point of like, you know, tiptoeing around it. 
Can we get more into actual intelligence? Because there is knowledge. There is practical knowledge. I think practical knowledge is the one, the more practical, let's say, let's say it's a sliding scale. The more practical it is, the more links you can draw from it to other knowledge points. Do you want to, do, 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 are you comfortable with picturing it like that? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But uh, what I was going to say also is that, you know, way back when, when humans were a brand new species and the knowledge that was useful and practical, you know, as you said, like, don't eat this berry or the moose move in this pattern in this season. It's it's relatively simple to what we have today, right? To to get to a level where you're advancing human knowledge, as you love to do so much, uh, you have to go through all of those steps. If you if you know what I mean, like you not like don't eat this berry or whatever, but you have to go through the fundamental steps of mathematics, and then you have like addition subtraction you raise up you go through calculus then you have like uh cal, cal 3 which is like uh calculus in three dimensions and you have to go through all these steps but the lower steps may seem useless on the surface as history seems useless on the surface but then you get to learn about human nature just the world is becoming increasingly complex and and you have to you know go through all the stuff that our ancestors were limited to before going further okay that does not refute in any way what I said, because if you want to see it like that in a way where you're towering, there is scattered, useless knowledge everywhere. Some of those knowledge points are actually practical. You have to spot them. To, to go further up? Yeah, to go further up. You have to spot them. You have to navigate this, this field. And then, it, it, look, if, if what you think I'm saying is that knowledge is useless, no. I understand. I just think you're overestimating the number of facts and, and knowledge points that are useless. No, because it's relative, right? To a historian, it's a good building block to know when America was established. So that's practical knowledge to them because they need to know exactly about the chronology. They need to compare what other things happened in that year because they'll know more things that happened in that year. To you and I, in the next 80 years of our lives, I can bet you $10 that the only reason knowing America was founded in X year will yield useful is when someone will ask you, when was America founded again? And that's it. That's what I mean. So maybe let's get to Habesian or my principle. Hobbes talked about, I forgot the exact Sovereign. term. No, I forgot the exact term, but here's where intelligence comes in more handy than knowledge because I know the, the concept behind the term, so I don't need to know the term. And it was inconsequential speech. And essentially what that meant is if it has no impact on your senses, then it's inconsequential speech. So let's say arguing over is God infinite or not, if your senses have no impact on it, it's if you have if you have no foundations for it in the senses, right? Then it's it's not like it's not well founded. Okay, but I guess it goes both ways, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Any anyway, that what I call it is the non-essentiality principle, and it's about it's 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 a bit of a thought experiment. It's about imagine your next day with a certain piece of knowledge and without a certain piece of knowledge, right? Will it go the exact same way in both ways? 
I don't know why you're laughing because you don't. You always refuse to get metaphorical. It's not that hard. No, I'm not. I'm not refusing to get metaphorical. It's just I could imagine a yeah, thousand, yeah, yeah, yeah. a thousand yes, facts yes. that this are useful problem. that that's I don't need tomorrow. I know that's the problem. You think it's so hard to imagine your tomorrow, but you forget that all it is is re rewinding yourself to yesterday morning. No, no, no. I, I what I'm saying is I can imagine a thousand facts that I find useful that I didn't need yesterday. I understand, but that's why it's a thought experiment. It's a, it's about averages. If the it's about averages. If you look at the last when were you like conscious, you're like okay, twenty. So let's look at the last four years of your life. Do you have you needed this piece of knowledge? No. Would it be fair then to say that in the next four years of your life you will not need that piece of knowledge? Probably, yeah. It would be fair, and that's that's what it is with history. Usually, that's what it is with geography. Do you know a uh, obscure geographical geographical fact like um i don't know something like not a lot of people know like amsterdam is the capital of uh, what of what netherlands okay <laughs> right so that <coughs> very obscure in the last four years except to say that you know that have you ever used it yeah no probably not so, yeah, that's what I mean by useless knowledge. So, okay, look, just reestablish these categories. Useless knowledge, practical knowledge, I encourage. But what you must understand that a lot of practical knowledge for some, like historians, is not uh, practical knowledge for others. And on the basis of that practical knowledge is where you, I guess, develop your intelligence, but also use your intelligence, right? Because I think the more links you draw, the more line creating abilities you have and vice versa right does that seem fair yeah creating new points when you have a lot of links and you can yeah point creation is i don't know i don't know how i would visualize that though it's it's just like the presence the presence of many links makes it more likely that a point will just appear something yeah like yeah something like that because if you think about math right when you're given no novel equations, if, if we just make that framework for your brain, right? Not the world, because someone has figured out that math equation, but just for your brain, make it like not a white point, but a gray one where you, you have to kind of fill it in with a black one. When you know and practice math, you, you know, you know, okay, equation like this, I've, uh, I'm, I'm given three, four points of data. I've reunited them into one, which is my answer, and here are the four lines that I've created. The more you get good at that, the more you will be able to fill in those gray points that you previously didn't know. That's what a math exam is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I practiced three plus three, I practiced six plus six, and now I'm giving the no novel thing of five plus five, and here's where I can come up with the answer. <laughs> Actually, learning addition like that, you know, in the beginning, it's, uh, they learn it by heart. They, like you have to just I know. I know. Yeah. Ain't that funny? <laughs> How we still do that until university for a lot of knowledge. Learn learn learning by heart? Yeah. But I guess it's also like you can't really represent in, in your mind what Piaget's theory of uh newborns is, right? Like yeah, I can't visualize famous. that, but I can visualize three. But yeah. Yeah. So I remember one more point. Solitary confinement, mad underground thought yeah, yeah, experiment. Yeah. So this is a discussion I had about the notes from the underground. And it's about how I think... Is it notes from underground? From underground, yeah. yeah. I think, I strongly think, that I 
would learn more from a week in solitary confinement. Do it then. Yeah. Then from a week out there in the world. Because when you think about how much we distract our brains, how much we, you know, all this noise, we're always doing something, which again, is a good basis of learning, but what are we really doing? With Wi-Fi like or going? without Wi-Fi? No, without Wi-Fi. Confinement without Wi-Fi? Yeah, without Wi-Fi. And what I, and this is what I realized by reading uh, Notes from Underground by Dostoevsky, it's, he has harnessed so much, again, fantastical character, right? But he's also crazy and loses his mind, but. No, it's about the way you read it. <laughs> everything's but, relative. Yeah, everything's relative, but he, um, I think, that's the thing, he's isolated for like years and years, right? And he comes up with all of these insightful things and smart things to write about. I want to read it now. And there's, you know, there's a little bit of hypocrisy, but then he kind of, sometimes he goes through that hypocrisy and reveals his true self and he's self-aware about it. And it's all this, I mean, look, Dostoevsky was the greatest psychologist of all time. Quote me on that. But quote Nietzsche, is that a Nietzsche quote? Nietzsche on that. It's not a, well, it's not a exact Nietzsche quote, but I can say it in a way Nietzsche didn't say it. Uh, Dostoevsky was, in my opinion, in my was in my opinion, <laughs> me, Chris, the best. Um, I think Nietzsche also said that. So. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. And with all the distract, of course, I, I don't think extending that solitary confinement will lead to the same results for for a lot of a lot more time. I'd probably go crazy. I don't know. I'd probably argue up to a year. But what I'm saying is, I think that given all the data points I have already about life. If I was confined to reflect upon these data points, I could draw so many links, learn so much about myself in those seven days that it would be incomparable to what I can learn in my life. Going to a, you know, going like taking a bus, listening to music, going to the gym, listening to music, going to class and listening to a professor studying the facts that that professor give, gave me at home, filling in blanks on an exam, like all those things. I think if I paused for a week, I would learn more. What do you think about that? I, I mean, I think it's a good point to say that if you go longer, it probably wouldn't be useful. If we're staying in that like schema of knowledge points and linking them, I think... That is right, that you have a lot of knowledge points that need to be linked up and that you don't have time to link up just because you're, you know, learning new knowledge points, which you're not because you're going to forget them like next week. But if you're going to get more out of it, sure, sure. But it, it's it's a question of, it's a question of balance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only yeah. thing it reveals is not like, oh, we should all confine ourselves for a week. It's we and, don't yeah. have enough time to think. Yeah, because yeah. I think there's a reality where a couple hundred years ago where you know you would go home there would just be silence and you could kind of stare out the window or something is that right that that's what, what exactly reality 100 years ago not but like more my thought experiment would not be as applicable because people used to just sit and think right the funny story about the uh newton guy with the apple falling right did you say newton guy dude? yeah he was just <laughs> kind of sitting in nature and thinking and noting things down and this fell asleep how many people fall asleep under a tree anymore mm. yeah um 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know how like how far you want to take the knowledge you can gain when isolated in a room. I think you can lot a lot learn a lot about yourself. What I have what I would have a problem with is you developing like political theories while you're isolated in your room and you know trying to solve the world. Uh, I don't deny the importance of practice, right? But I think the best politician is the one that's been making mistakes for 20 years and is now somewhere than the guy who's been reading history books for 20 years. And again, yeah, agreed that it's a balance, right? If a guy just absolutely gets out of high school and starts practicing politics, right? Oh, let me lead this team of 10. Let me lead this team of 100. Is that how you grow in politics? I don't know. <laughs> but no, no, I'm just kidding. But um I had humble beginnings. Yeah, I only versus, used to lead a team of one. Yeah, <laughs> versus, but I, but even at that, I failed. Uh, versus, like the guy who's like a history buff, blah blah, you know, all these things, blah blah. He thinks he knows, then he steps into the ring or the Oval Office, and boom, his reality is shattered because internet exists, and most of what history is about is when internet didn't exist, and now. Scandals are handled differently. This is handled differently. Blah, blah, blah. So, yes, it's a balance. And I could even convene that I would like a 50-50 of knowledge and intelligence. Because both can be developed. But I think, one, the way society views the overarching concept of intelligence is a mix of 80% knowledge and 20% intelligence. Because you can't really display intelligence in the snap judgments we make of people. Right, that would be, yeah. be fair. And all I want to do is take those two apart, dissociate them, say, look, guys, this is knowledge, where there's practical knowledge and impractical knowledge. This is intelligence. Both should be weighted equally in your pursuit of greatness. But remember the distinctions. Yeah, and I think it, uh, it, like the way we interpret exam questions, let's say in university, we can see the distinction between when a teacher understands this and when a teacher doesn't understand this. I think. Oh yeah. You can get, you can get really far scholastically, and I'm not using, uh, not pertaining to Descartes. You can get really far scholastically, just by studying a bunch and knowing a bunch of facts if the questions you're asked don't require you to work it pretty much history exams that is very good yeah, point yeah. that is very good point because even psychology exam wouldn't you say that mostly but we, robot, we saw a good we saw a good question we, we the other day yeah but wouldn't doesn't it ring true that my 80 20 percent divide is is good because in a hundred yeah. question exam that's exactly the ratio 20 questions are going to be like, oh, wow, the prof actually understands the material and is asking a good question. And yeah, the rest depends, is like, depends on the prof. I, I, I yeah, have one which uh, is just 100% nothing. Yeah, yeah and, and, and the rest of the questions are like, which of these philosophers were Methodists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, um, you want to quickly go over the list? To see if we've missed anything, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty satisfied. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, there's nature versus nurture, which. The way, yeah. In, inconsequential speech again. 
You're born with something, just maximize it. Yeah, yeah. The way I understand it is uh, you're born with a certain IQ potential, which, okay, you're born, you can reach like 140 or whatever. But if you're, you know, malnourished uh, during childhood, that like affects your development and your brain Playing development. Fortnite, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. And you don't reach that. Or if you don't get the, pro- uh, the proper education, you, you can't reach that, that level. All right. One of the things I identified is street, street smarts versus school smarts. And I think based on what we've said now, this is a common perception of, you know, the difference between the two. This is, these are words we use. How about, I have a pretty defined idea of what the two can mean. How about you say, based on what we've determined, what you think the two can represent, based on our framework? Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's 100% correlation between um, school smart is knowledge and street smart is intelligence. Uh, I think you can, you know, be street smart and not be very intelligent, just be experienced, right? Um, I mean, I guess that's what I have to say about it, yeah. Yeah, so you're kind of, street smarts is you're forced into practical knowledge. So it doesn't matter where your level of intelligence is, you're maximizing the use of that intelligence to acquire practical knowledge. School smarts, because the way the questions are asked, because the the way the material is written, it's probably going to look something like my ratio, right? People who excel at school you know, they might diverge from that. They might be a good 50-50 and be really intelligent, but they're usually probably just very studious. And uh, yeah. The other thing we can talk about is creativity versus problem solving. Because problem solving, it seems... Versus problem solving. Is that what it is? And? And, yeah. And problem solving. So problem solving seems very clear that it's a, it must be intelligence, right? If I'm giving a new problem, no, no one's going to call problem solving something you've seen in the past before right so it's a novel problem here are new two new data points do i know of any links that resemble the ones i need to make you know Uh fit uh these uh two in that's clear creativity is pretty interesting creativity is also the creation of new data points but must intelligent people be creative and you know what's interesting too is Problem solving can be, is more about like optimal fitting of the points together. Creativity is more like, okay, how novel can my point be? Like discovering a gray link that's exactly. not filled in. Exactly. Or like a, um, a longer link or something like that. Because yeah, yeah. when you think about problem solving, you want the most optimal, mm-hmm. right? When, when you... <laughs> When you think about creativity, that's what that's not what comes to mind. Like I want the most optimal art piece. It's it's more like, okay, what's the thing that humans have never seen before? And I think the way I would picture creativity is look, I have all this, you know, link, um, like web of knowledge linked with intelligence. Let's go to the edge of that web and go into undiscovered grounds and draw a link that isn't close to to any other data point and here and if you want to see that web as the amount of knowledge all humans have then i would say you're kind of expanding the range of that knowledge maybe that's what creativity is you're 
giving humans knowledge that that is not an empty space that is a possibility now you guys can come up and you know put data points there and draw links towards that direction that's that's a pretty good way of seeing it i feel like yeah i agree you know when when you're a creative you're sort of exploring just chaos exploring a, a place where seemingly there's no links but you're looking for something meaningful in, in all of that and you're not staying on you know known grounds where everything all the links are already made you're, you're always exploring and there's there's a place for the creative types of people and there's a place for i guess what problem solvers i, I think that's what it is if you want to see problem solvers as uh, mathematicians oh. just for the the sake of um you know simplicity it's easy to imagine in your head that way yeah yeah and creatives as you know the artists or whatever i think look at imagine human knowledge as a spider web the problem solvers make the spider web more dense because they operate within those ranges mm -hmm. and they create all of the links that are possible in that range and the creatives are the one that are going to go on a limb and create that extra link to that other thing that no one knew was possible and then the the spider web is in some sort of environment and that's like the I don't know, the culture and everything that's going on in the world. And then when the environment changes, that initial web, if the world was composed only of problem solvers, would be in a bad spot. But creatives move it in a new direction and like create new outposts for knowledge so that the world of our spider web can get adapted to the environment, to the ever-changing environment. The most poetic episode yet. I can already see the New Yorker reviews. So, one sentence summary, guys, be smart about this. Yeah, one sentence summary, America started in like 1879, I think. You're smart. So, thank you for, oh, figured it out reading. How can I forget? I, you know what? I'm going to go for nine, honestly. We forget one? Oh, we've got only one. Mm. How dare we? Yeah, I'll go with eight. <laughs> and we'll round it up. <laughs> I'm a problem solver. What can I say? Uh, thank you for listening. It's been the Thinking Bros. Go on thinkingbros.com for more information or contact us at thinkingbros at gmail.com and we'll see you next week. See ya.